Welcome. My turn to welcome you. Glad we're all together uh, this morning. I actually want to start uh, this morning by uh, telling you a story. Um, and the story really isn't part of the sermon, okay? It's like pre-sermon, sort of. So I'll tell you when the sermon is starting. It's not now, but this is a true story. It took place in 1988. In 1988, Martha and I were fairly new parents. We had a little girl who was just about a year old. And I came home on a Friday evening, and I can't remember if Martha was feeling bad or if I just thought I'd try to be nice. But I told Martha, I'm going to take our daughter. We're going to drive to Brandon. We'll pick up some dinner, and I'll bring it back. You just take an hour to yourself. Just whatever you want to do, just take an hour to yourself. So I strapped my daughter in the back seat, in her car seat. As soon as we pull onto the highway, she starts screaming. Now, let me out. I want out. Unbuckle me. I want out of the car seat. And I'm like, you can't get out of the car seat. Can't get out of the car seat. I'm telling her stories. I'm singing songs. I'm putting the kids' tape in. I'm doing everything to try to keep her quiet. She just screams nonstop. She never does that when Martha's in the car with her. So I finally tell her, when we get to the restaurant, we're going to drive through. You can get out of your car seat while we're in the drive-thru line. So then it becomes, when are we going to get there? No, are we almost there? I went out of my seat. She just screams the whole way. Now, a lot of you will know where Brandon Burgers is on 60. In fact, we eat there on our Wednesday night group, eats there every now and then. That building has been a lot of things over the years. In 1988, it was a place called Grandy's which was like the Taco Bell of country cooking. Um, it wasn't very good, but it was really cheap. It kind of fell in our budget. So I pull into Grandy's there, and as soon as I pull into the driveway, I tell, or the, the parking lot, I tell my daughter, okay, you can get out of your car seat. She immediately unbuckles her you know, straps. She's crawling out of the car seat, over, uh, over the bench seat, into, into the seat with me. And if you know that building, it's still, the, the, the parking lot's on kind of a slope, and it bends around to the left to go around the, the drive through Maggie hits the front seat, little one-year-old, somehow falls into the passenger door. The door pops open. She falls out of the car. The car is moving, slow, albeit, but it, you know, it's, it's, it's moving slowly, and she tumbles out of the car. I should tell you, by the way, the car I was driving was a 1982 Buick LeSabre. It's an old car we bought from Martha's uncle, like the largest car ever rolled out of you know, Detroit. It's like driving a Sherman tank. But she falls out onto the parking lot. I immediately hit the brakes. Well, I'm not going that fast, but I hit the brakes, which causes the passenger door to swing open real hard and then swing back. So as soon as she picks her head up, this 500-pound door hits her in the head. I put it in park. I run out there. I pick her up. I'm checking her out. This lady's in the drive-thru behind me. She gets out of her car and comes up and she goes, that little girl needs to be in a car seat. <laughs> yes, ma'am, she does. You need to put her in a car seat. I promise you, I had her in a car seat. Well, she wasn't in a car seat when she fell out of the car, was she? No, ma'am, she wasn't, so... I put her in the car seat. Now she's really screaming, of course. I get the food. I drive back. Martha says, how did it go? <laughs> Not good. I said, I can never again be trusted with my child. 
I, I can't do this. I, uh, it, whatever, whatever we children we might have subsequent to this, you're going to have to raise them. Because <laughs> you can't count on me. And she's like, hey, we'll do it together. Don't worry, you know. And, you know, I, I tell that story. I'm laughing about it now. But it wasn't funny then. It shook me. It shook me that that happened. I don't know if you've ever felt like you have been unqualified to do something. Have you ever felt like you've been unprepared? Like you've been called to do something where you just, I'm over my head on this. Because that's what I felt that day. And really for the next 18 years, that's pretty much how I felt. But if you've ever felt like that, you're not alone. Okay, here's where the sermon starts, okay? You can pay, atten pay attention now. Although all you can remember is that story. We're spending some time in the book of Judges, and this morning we are going to look at a man by the name of Gideon. Gideon's story is fascinating. Um, he was a man who, when called by God, pretty much told God, I'm not your guy. I am unqualified to do what you're asking me to do. I am unprepared to do what you are asking me to do. You're looking for a leader. I'm not a leader. You're looking for a hero. I'm not a hero. You're looking for a mighty warrior. Trust me, I am not a mighty warrior. God, of course, had a different thought. Here we go. Judges chapter 6 is where we are. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. The Israelites aren't even living in their own places, even in their own cities. They're, they're afraid of the Midianites. They're hiding. They're living in fear. Verse 3. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land, ruined the crops all the way to Gaza, did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. We have seen this movie before, haven't we? God's people turn their back on God, and the very nations that they are trying to copy now have them captured. And now they're worshiping the false gods of the people who are around them. But here's something else that we see over and over again in the book of Judges. Every single time... God's people finally cry out to God. Every single time that they turn back to God and ask for mercy, ask for deliverance, what's God do? He bails them out. Every single time. He delivers his people. Every single time. He still does, by the way. Here's how Gideon gets involved in this story. It's in verse 11 of chapter 6. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak at Ophrah near the, that belonged to Joash the Abzrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat, and this is kind of interesting, threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Threshing wheat was something that you did 
above ground, or at least at ground level. Threshing wheat is something you did where the wind would help you separate the chaff and the wheat. It's not something you did in a pit, not something you did in a hole, in a wine press. Gideon is threshing his wheat in a wine press. Why? Because he's afraid. He's fearful that the Midianites are going to come and take his wheat and or his life. Don't tell anyone I'm here in the wine press. Verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon's like, I don't know who you're talking to. Just me in the wine press here. Just me hiding out, trying to stay away from all my enemies. I don't want anyone to know where I am and what I'm doing. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, before we go on, we've got to pause right here. Because this is where some of you are right now. You've forgotten who you are. And you've forgotten who God has called you to be. You've forgotten what God wants you to do. You've forgotten the God of your childhood. You've forgotten all those prayers that God has answered in your past. You've forgotten about all those promises that God has kept in the past. You've forgotten just how good God has been to you. You look at everybody else around you and you think, well, I'm just like everybody else. And then God shows up and says, I'm with you, mighty warrior. Do you know what I did last night? Have you been paying attention to my life lately? Do you know how long it's been since I've prayed? The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And then Joshua responds by saying just exactly what we'd be thinking. But sir, he's very polite, by the way. But sir, Gideon, I said Joshua, Gideon, obviously. Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Which is great because all of you have asked some version of that question before. You all have. If God is so good, why are things so bad? If God is for me, why does it seem like the world is against me? If God is with me, why don't I still have a job? Or why don't I have a better job? Or why is my marriage coming off the rails? Why can't I pay my bills? Now, why can't we have children? Why, why, why? All these questions. Why? Listen, here's some good news. If you've ever asked that question, and again, I guarantee you have. 3,300 years ago, Gideon asked it first. And the good news is this. God's not offended by the question. He wasn't offended when Gideon said that. In fact, it's the very question that brings Gideon into a closer relationship with God. Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hands of Midian. Gideon says, I'm not a mighty warrior. And I'm not so sure God's a mighty God. Because all those stories that I've heard, they're sounding more and more like stories and not facts. 
Because all those things that I've heard all my life, I haven't seen any of it. In fact, it seems to me like God has abandoned his people. Verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Gideon's like, have you not heard anything I've just said? Have you not been paying attention? I'm not a mighty warrior. And I'm not so sure God is such a mighty God. And you're calling me to go and and save God's people out of the hands of the Midianites who are like locusts on the land. They're, They're men, they're camels, too many to be numbered. And then says, am I not sending you? Am I not sending you? Which should be the place where Gideon stands up a little straighter and strikes a pose, you know. Kind of sets his jaw a little bit and the music starts playing and the wind starts blowing his hair. And he should then march out of the wine press with passion and purpose. But of course, this is history. This isn't a fantasy. But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. You remember Israel split into 12 different tribes. Gideon is from the tribe of Manasseh. Gideon's like, I'm not even from a famous tribe. And then you take my clan in that not so famous tribe and we're like, we're the worst. We're the weakest. And I am the least in my family. Translation, hey, I went to junior college. I didn't get the scholarship. I didn't make great grades. I'm just barely like middle class. I am so average. I'm really a nobody. Why would you ask me to do this thing? Why would you ask someone like me to get involved in something like this? Are you talking about me being a mighty warrior? And it's just this point where God says, Oh, I'm sorry, I must be at the wrong wine press. Oh, obviously I have you confused with someone else, Gideon. I'm sorry, never mind. No, of course, God doesn't tell him that. But what God does say is so important. In fact, it is the one and only point to my sermon. Okay? I only have one point to this sermon, and it's coming up in just a minute. But before I get there, I want to ask you a question. What miracle might God perform that would cause you today to say, okay, that's it. I am all in. What miracle could God perform today that would cause you to say, you know what, I'm changing my life. I'm changing my priorities. I'm changing my focus. I am, I'm pushing all my chips to the middle of the table because that just happened. You know, maybe if you could walk on water. Maybe if the, the, you could cause the sun to stand still, part water, or walk through on dry land. Here's what I got thinking, talking about, thinking about this story of Gideon. What if for 30 seconds, what if God were to open your eyes and allow you to see yourself the way he sees you? Just 30 seconds. What if you were just able to catch a glimpse of what God thinks about you? Of how God sees you? 
Gideon, do you feel like a mighty warrior? No, I don't. Well, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. And are you going to believe your estimation about you? Or are you going to believe God's estimation about you? And by the way, your estimation of you, you know where that comes from, don't you? It comes from everybody else. I think of myself pretty much the way everybody else thinks about me. My talents, my abilities. I gather my self-worth from what everybody else thinks. But what if everybody else is wrong? What if everybody else is using the wrong uh, standards? What if I've been surrounding myself for so long with people of no courage that when God calls me to be a person of courage, there's no way I can see myself in that light? What if God sees me differently? Now, what if we've just been spending our whole life doing what everybody else does? Thinking like everybody else thinks. Dating like everyone else dates. Spending our money like everyone else spends their money. Dreaming these little dreams like everybody else dreams their dreams. But what if for just 30 seconds, God opened our eyes and allowed us to see ourselves the way he sees us? I think it would change your life. I know it would change mine. And by the way, that's exactly where Gideon finds himself right here. I'm convinced this is Gideon's defining moment. Gideon is in this moment right now. This angel is saying, come on, Gideon. Come on. I want you to look at yourself differently. You're not who you think you are. Come on. You can do this. I want you to see yourself the way God sees you. And then comes the Lord's answer to Gideon. It's in verse 16. The Lord answered, I will be with you. Gideon gives all these excuses. You know what God's answer is? I will be with you. And you'll strike down all the Midianites together. I will be with you, Gideon. So the question is, Gideon, the question is, parents, the question is, teenagers, the question is, college students, Employers, employees, the question is, will you be with God? Because God has promised to be with you. Will you be with him? And this is why the study of the book of Judges is so fascinating to me. This is why this book is so important. You know, I keep saying that God has given us the dignity of choice. That we'd have the freedom to do what we want to do when we want to do it with who we want to do it with. And God's given us the freedom to do whatever seems right in our own eyes. And God has given us the freedom to be like everybody else. You can live your life that way. But listen, you will miss. You will miss. You will miss this great adventure. This great life that God created you to live. So... This is the defining moment, I think, in Gideon's life. God comes and says, I'm not going to give you some extraordinary gift. I'm not going to give you the the gift of, like, superior wisdom. I'm not going to give you the gift of superior strength. You're not going to be the strongest man who ever lived. You're not going to be the wisest man who ever lived. 
I'm not going to count on you to come up with some battle strategy. All I'm asking you to do, Gideon, is to be convinced that I'm going to be with you. That's all I'm asking. I'm asking you to live your life convinced that I am going to be with you. Gideon, would you simply live your life like someone who has the confidence that God is with you? It's a defining moment in Gideon's life. I think it's a defining moment in our life as well. It's what God is asking of us. He's asking us to live our lives, to make every single decision, to live every moment like God is with us, like God is in us, like God is for us. Here's why this is so important. Here's why I love the story of Gideon. Here's why you should love the story of Gideon. 1,300 years after Gideon's life, a guy by the name of Paul would write a letter to Christians who were living in the city of Rome. The city of Rome was a very dangerous place for followers of Jesus to be in the first century because of a guy named Nero who hated Christians, was putting Christians to death, persecuting Christians. So Paul writes this letter to these Christians who are undergoing this incredible persecution, and he says this. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Do you know how you can live your life knowing that God is with you? Knowing that God is in control? It's not by looking around at the Midianites. It's not by taking your cue from everybody else. It's by understanding that God sent his son to die for us on a cross. That's what you're worth to God. little finance uh, lesson here, 101 finance. What's a thing worth? How do you put a value on something? Easy. Put a price on it. Put a price on it. Stick it on eBay. Start lowering the price. As soon as somebody buys it, that's what it's worth. It's what someone is willing to pay for it, right? What was God willing to pay for you? Paul says, his own son. He equates your worth with that of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. You are all so valuable to God. Because the image of God is on you. The Spirit of God is in you. Now, wake up every day and understand what you're worth to the Father. You know, the the story of Gideon, it's fascinating to me. And, And I'm not talking about any of the details. You know, there's so many things to talk about Gideon. I'm not talking about any of the battles, any of the details, any of that really interesting stuff. I'm just talking about a man who was scared to death. A man who felt completely unqualified, unprepared to do what God called him to do. And yet steps into the challenge when God promises him, I'm going to be with you. There are some starts and stops along the way. 
But Gideon steps into this challenge knowing that he wasn't stepping into it alone. You know what God called Gideon to do uh, against the Midianites? It was, it was way too big for Gideon. There were a swarm of locusts on the land. They couldn't be numbered. That, that task was way too big for Gideon. It was not too big for Gideon and God. Now, we, we know this story, right? God takes this guy who's hiding in a wine press, who is afraid that what little bit he has is going to get taken who feels very, very ordinary, who sees himself as completely average, God takes this thing, this man, and says, would you trust me to be with you? Will you trust me that I'm going to be with you? Will you step into this challenge? And Gideon realized that the task before him was not as great as the power behind him. So I'll ask you, what would your day look like tomorrow if you were to wake up in the morning and for some reason God gave you 30 seconds to see yourself the way God sees you? Would your day be any different? Would your to-do list change at all? Would your confidence level change a little bit? If we were blessed to be able to see ourselves the way God sees us, I think we'd see ourselves as a mighty warrior. Not because we're not anything but average, but because God is with us, which makes us something way above average, doesn't it? When we realize that the strength and the power doesn't have to come from me, I'm the weakest in my family. We're the last clan, bad tribe. That doesn't matter. You're a mighty warrior because God is with you. Gideon stepped into that. My challenge is for us to step into that as well. Now, we don't have to go through life alone. We don't have to go through life fearful. All those things that life throws at us, the highs and the lows, the good, the bad, everything in between, all the heartaches, all the strange twists and the turns in the road. What a blessing to know when I'm in the middle of that, God's with me. When things are going great, praise God, God's with me. When things are going terrible, praise God, God's with me. God is for me. God is in me. That's my takeaway from Gideon. And that's the challenge of Gideon that I want to leave with us this morning. To live our lives, to see ourselves, just a glimpse of how God sees us. Knowing that the battle really does belong to the Lord. And our strength is not our own. Because we belong to God. We've got a song that we're going to use as a song of encouragement. Uh, as a church family, if we can help you in any way, we invite you to come to the front and let us know. Let's go ahead and be standing while we sing.